Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2243. And welcome to the new year. Wow. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Gosh, I've been to Phoenix a few times this past month. Uh, it's the time of year to be there when it's rainy here in the Pacific Northwest with a very special guest by the name of Sperry Hutchinson. Sperry, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? <laughs> hey, Mark. I'm in gear, and I'm ready to go, bud. All right. We're going to have some fun. Now, before I give you a proper introduction... I ask all my guests this question. What's one little thing that people maybe don't know about Sperry Hutchinson? I do a pretty good Mick Jagger impression. Okay, okay. Now, you see, you see where I've got this Fender Strat uh, hanging on the wall behind me. Uh, <laughs> it's a limited edition hot rod edition, which would be perfect. So maybe I need to toss you the guitar. Although, although Mick... Does he play the guitar? Seems like he's basically I mean, just, he just singing. He just struts. You know, it's the strut and the and the singing. I think that I do best. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you on the line here, Sperry. Here's what I want you to do. Today is kind of a mile marker day for me. It's my 65th birthday, so I want you in your best Mick Jagger impression to wish Mark Green of Cars yeah, a happy birthday. Can you do that for me? Yes. So <laughs> take off when you want to, Mick. All right. We've got Mark Green's birthday, everybody. Let's give a big shout out to Mark Green here. Happy birthday, baby. Yeah. <laughs> clap, clap. All right. Clap, point, point. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I never thought that when I turned 65, Mick Jagger would be wishing me a happy birthday. Isn't that fun? That is and pretty you cool. You dance, too. That's the key. Yeah, yeah. We got Well, we'll, we'll put that up on uh, Facebook, a little video okay. of you. You'll have to send me a copy of you dancing. You know, for some reason <laughs> this morning, somebody, I think it was on Instagram, somebody had posted a picture of, of him doing something. I mean, that guy, how old is he now? And he still gets out there and shakes it up. Yeah, he's 114 and he does a hell of a thing. No, I think that's his guitarist is 114. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe he's 112, something like that. So, yeah, very yeah. cool. Well, I appreciate you doing that. Thank you very much. Let me give you a proper. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Well, happy birthday, and and thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> Absolutely no. Well, hey, you mentioned it. You brought it up, so I, I, I had to put it out there. But uh, I'll forevermore be able to say that. Mick wished me a happy 65th birthday. That's that 65th, 61st. See, I'm trying to backdate yeah. myself now already. <laughs> 65. I can't even say the word 65. How can you be that old? It's uh, yeah, it's all in the mind. Absolutely. Sperry Hutchinson is, well, he thinks he's Mick Jagger, but he's actually the manager of development at the Piston Foundation. The foundation builds scholarships and apprenticeship programs that serve the car community. Sperry has lived most of his life in Arizona where he was born and raised. His love for automobiles followed him throughout his days at Loyola Marymount University in L.A. and beyond. Much of his time has been spent on automotive pursuits, such as building concept cars, performing restorations, and working on print and video ad campaigns. This has led to more than a decade of experience centered around his passion, and in that time, he's gone on to create several car rallies, serving as chairman of the Copper State 1000 and the world's first vintage off-road luxury rally, the Copper State Overland. And guess what? Next year, he's coming out with Automoto 
podcast. So can't wait to hear more about that. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our valued sponsor. So give them a little love. They put the petrol in the tanks here and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. So uh, let's take a little deeper dive into this very interesting life of yours, Sperry. I mean, you're involved in a lot of different things. And of course, we want to talk about and focus on the Piston Foundation and the incredibly important work that you guys do there. But before we dive into the Piston Foundation, I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about some of the things you've done. Because as I introduced you, talked about the Copper State 100, the Copper State Overland, which is a very cool concept, the Automoto Podcast, and all the other things you've done. So take us on a little bit of a journey of how you got to this point in life. Yeah, uh, it is a little surreal hearing it back, but... um... (laughs) You know, I think a, a lot of the things we're talking about have come about um, really through uh, just, you know, following that passion, following my gut. You know, I found myself after college, I, I really wanted to um, write for car magazines and the landscape was changing. This was uh, just after the year 2000 and the Leviathan at the time was Peterson Publishing. They were subsequently um, sort of sold and subdivided and sold and subdivided again amongst a few different companies, um, EMAP, Prime Media. And so many things were going online. And so I had a mentor at the time. His name is Tim Burnsaw. Tim still writes uh, actively for Rod and Custom Magazine, amongst others. He advised me to go out and get my skill set to be just bulletproof so that I could either write the articles myself without bothering a a craftsman who might be uh, doing the actual work, or 
just to be so, um, as he eloquently put it, bullshit proof, uh, that someone could tell me what they were doing, but I, I wouldn't be fooled um, and end up writing a, a sort of ineffective and inarticulate article. So anyway, what I did is I set about um, working at a place that I knew someone, networking through my college connections. I graduated with a girl whose family owned a really incredible shop in Orange County called Gafolio Family Metal Crafters. Everybody knows it as just metal crafters. And this is the place on earth, one of the only places on earth that builds functional running, driving concept cars. And they were uh, world famous at that point. But they started out as Argentinian craftsmen who were fixing uh, GP cars after World War II when so much of the uh, the racing efforts in the world were still sort of coming back from the de- devastation of the war. And so they'd gotten fame for rebuilding Ferraris and Alphas and Maseratis in South America and, and running these uh, big three liter plus cars um, and races that everybody thought would never be back you know, on earth. And they were up and running within a year, thanks to these craftsmen keeping these Ferraris and, and big Italian cars, frankly, mostly running. Um, they moved to California. They had this incredible shop where I got uh, lucky enough to be hired on. I learned a lot. It was really being dropped in the deep end of the pool. So dove in head first, learned fabrication uh, off season. When you build concept cars, you're on a 16 week build schedule. When you're done, all the cars go off to Stuttgart, New York, L.A., Tokyo. And I went to work in car commercials uh, off season as wow. that was a division of the company. And getting burned out on that pretty quickly, I found a hot rod shop in my neighborhood in Venice Beach a little back alley shop called Rodworks, and um, moved up the ladder pretty quickly there. I started out literally sweeping the shop and uh, tuning carburetors and doing the things I knew to do and uh, became the manager of the shop pretty quickly. And so by the time I was 24 years old, I was really running the day-to-day shop operations. We moved into a much larger facility, hired people in Culver City. And that all changed when my dad died in 2005. That saw me move back to Phoenix to help uh, my family. And I ended up, uh, again, kind of talking to a friend that I'd known since high school, who's a big part of uh, my car landscape. We'd been buddies, again, since seeing each other with cool cars in the high school parking lot. And his family is the U-Haul family. Oh, wow. My friend Stuart, I reached out to him and I went to work for U-Haul Corporate for 14 years. Okay, now this is a big transition. Yeah. So I was, I was doing research and development there. It was still very automotive. And ultimately, I found myself really enjoying the process of communicating and creating videos and tutorials for customers, tutorials for shops. And it led to me uh, becoming the corporate spokesperson for U-Haul International. That was a gig that I had, again, for close to five years. And... My wife and I were talking about missing Southern California, and I ended up looking online, and I I ended up applying to and and getting a job with Haggerty, and uh, moved to Southern California, lived in Orange County, was uh, running some private client uh, high-end insurance sales work out there, and in the meantime, behind all of the scenes, I was volunteering for a group that supports the arts here in Arizona. And that was how I got involved with the Copper State 1000, to go back to that, because that's really probably the most important thread and underlying foundational uh, yeah. thing that I've done throughout wow. this, was was volunteering and, and becoming a part of that rally. Again, kind of working my way up over the course of uh, now 13 years of involvement, ultimately becoming the chairman of that event uh, with one of my best friends, uh, my friend Trevor, and I co-chaired the event uh, for two years, and then I became a chairman by myself for one year during the pandemic. and. Uh, uh, again, in the, in the midst of all of that, it was really a small group of us that started talking about all of these guys that we know that do the Copper State 1000, men and women, that have, they might have a JAG D-type, um, and they might have an original 
Lamar history, Maserati 250S. But those same guys have a Bronco or a Jeep or a K5 Blazer or a Toyota FJ, something that's like in the barn that they either kept because it was their dad's or it, it's truly their weekend passion vehicle to get out and hit the sand dunes or uh, hit the trails. And so anyway, we started this off-road event uh, knowing that all of us have these trucks and rigs, just like I grew up with in Arizona. And uh, so we started the Copper State Overland and produced our first event in 2015. And it's the same model as the Copper State 1000. It's a, it's a four-day, five-night, luxury, catered um, automotive adventure, right? But it's just, it's a little bit slower. It's in the dirt, so you can wear jeans. Um, you sit around a campfire at night. It's a lot more intimate. Um, and it's, it's thus far wholly unique. There isn't another thing like it on Earth. Yeah. Well, gee, I could do five different shows with you. All these different right. aspects <laughs> of your of your life. This is fascinating. But you have done a lot of fun things. Uh, but of course, we're here to talk mostly today about the Piston Foundation and your relationship and work with them. Um, of course, uh, regular listeners will remember that I had the president, CEO uh, on the show, Jeff. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting group that you that's been put together. And I'd like for you to share more for Listeners that don't know about the Piston Foundation, what it is you're all about. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's a recent thing. It's uh, founder uh, Robert Minnick and the president, like you said, Jeff Mason. It's uh, myself and then a group of volunteers. And so it's a really uh, small group. And I have found thus far it to be extremely creative and effective at delivering uh, what they promise, which is providing a future path for young people to enter the automotive trades. And, and we're talking specifically about automotive restoration and restoration means any number of things. And I, and I suppose I feel like I've sort of talked to some friends with newer cars that say, well, that's all very interesting, but it, it doesn't affect me. And I said, well, you know, you've got that Corvette Grand Sport and, um, you know, even your, uh, Murcielago there in 15 years, it may not be supported by the dealership. You know, when you have to get that belt. In fact, it won't be. <laughs> I can tell you. In fact, it they won't. Be. You know, I've, I've been take. I've got a 17 year old BMW M3 E46. I bought new, and it's starting to. You know, I look at the young kids working on my cars that were like little kids when my car was built. You know, yes. I mean, they were 10 years old. So you're exactly right. Yeah, we need this. Yeah, restoration is a rolling thing, um, and so so much of what we at the Piston Foundation do is, you know, really just. <laughs> I, I say it's sort of lensing, it's perceptive work. It's it's starting with the very beginning, which is showing young people and frankly showing parents that entering the world of collectible automobile trades, it's not the the slog, it's not the coal mine, it's not the uh, granite pit of you know labor that sometimes people think it is. You know, it can be not only so supremely mentally and and philosophically rewarding, but financially rewarding too. I mean. Uh, uh, so many folks that enter that world, enter the world of collection management, or they ultimately are shop owners themselves, and they find it to be extremely lucrative, um, especially if they're talented people. And so what we're doing is, is today rewarding applicants with scholarships, and we're going out to car shows and taking groups of kids in what we call a car show classroom. So finding some local kids to walk around with a great ambassador at a local car show and just go, yeah, this is fun. These are, these are neat cars. These are good people. I'd love to be a part of this world. And I think the thing that's most unique about what we're doing is creating a program. And again, we've only been at it a few years. And so last year we awarded our first 10 scholarships. Oh, great. And so we're, we're still working with 
providing kids the opportunity to attend a college like McPherson College in Kansas, right? Once they exit McPherson, we're beginning a program called the Piston Academy. And that's where we're providing the opportunity for a structured apprenticeship program. So and it literally means we're providing funding to allow kids to work in shops where they might be paid as I was, you know, pushing a broom for $9 an hour at the hot rod shop. That didn't cut it living in Southern California. No, not quite. <laughs> and I wish that there was something like this that would have paid uh, on average, we're talking about 15000 a year to supplement the income of that individual working in that shop as a, uh, a graduated restoration tech, working with qualified shops, creating tutorial systems, sort of a, in effect like a postgraduate hands-on thing. And, and you said that you had a guest on from uh, Bister Heritage in England. Yes. That program is very nearly identical to what we're talking about. Oh, perfect. Which is keeping the trades, keeping those skills alive, uh, passing those heritage. Again, it's, it's artisanal craftsmanship from individual to individual. And it takes that, uh, that formality of that program and it brings it here to North America is what we are uh, really attempting to endeavor to do. You know, it's near and dear to my heart. My regular listeners know that two of my charities of choice are RPM Foundation and Tech Force Foundation, and they do similar type things. You guys are different in many ways with your Piston Fund and Piston Academy. But the idea of apprenticeships, I, I hope, is going to come back because that is kind of thought of as old world European. Uh, young people would go in, they'd be given room and board, but really no pay, but they would work for a year or two and then eventually be hired. And I think it's happening because when you think of people like um, Mike Rowe with 30 Jobs, yes. and I just had um, uh, Kevin Rusk on from, uh, he wrote a book called Blue Collar Cash. He talks about that it's okay to work in those fields. And in fact, it's where many people need to really go versus spending time in college, spending a lot of money, getting in debt with a degree that doesn't bring them what they want. When I started Cars Yeah, my whole goal was to inspire others to realize there are jobs in this world of cars that you may not even know exist. And if that's your passion, go for it. There are many ways to make money. And I've got over 2,200 guests now that prove that, including yourself and, and the many kind of jobs that you have. So the Piston Foundation, you can find links to that, pistonfoundation.org. Uh, easy to find if you just Google that or if you come to the Cars Yeah website, to Sperry's show notes page, and you can do a link to that, which is great. And there's many ways that people can also support you. So if there's people out there that are, let's say, to use another old word term, well-heeled or have some funds that they can help out, uh, you can make a donation. You become a founder, gift, partners with the Piston Foundation. Can you talk about the many ways that people can support you? Yeah, it's it's a you know certainly familiar thing to uh, give when you can. And this is something that we found a lot of passion about with collectible car owners. And so, yeah, we've got a few different circles of uh, opportunity for people that, uh, like you're saying, if we've got uh, someone who's an affluent individual and they find themselves uh, comfortable giving back to a cause like this, that the I, I say it answers the question of what will happen to my cars uh, when I'm gone or, or uh, to be less morbid. It's the idea of just having the peace of mind that this uh, facet of the culture that so many of us care so much about, it, it's going to be there. It's going to be cared for and uh, cared about in the future. And so, yes, I, I think the Piston Foundation website is probably the best resource today for people to, to take a look at what we're doing. And I also just wanted to touch on something that I think is important when you talk about college, I think so often people will frame this conversation as saying that it's a choice between entering the trades and going to a university. Uh, it's, it's like an and uh, or thing. And, and we have found ourselves uh, having the uh, position that it's 
not so much, you know, yes or no, but it's if and when. It's the idea that college is still a wonderful thing. I mean, there, there's no denying the incredible sense of achievement and satisfaction that comes from a quality education. But oftentimes you can do that later in life and have this lucrative passion based career that is still so supremely fulfilling. So we still encourage people to um, to have that decision, I guess, in the quiver, as it were. Well, and these days, there's all sorts of opportunities to take courses online with different universities. One one university that I, I'm not affiliated with them, but I received their information is Hillsdale. And Hillsdale has these wonderful historic online that anyone can take uh, for a nominal fee. And it's like going to a lecture class, but it's learning things from a different perspective. And I'll tell you, this year I've had more guests than usual that are young saying, I decided to forego the traditional university route and go right into what I was passionate about. And we all know the tremendous student debt problem, uh, or probably around the world, but in this country, trillion plus dollars owed by all these young people that sometimes can't find jobs that can even pay them enough. You talk about try living in Southern California when you have a 50,000, 100,000 plus mortgage of a school debt around your neck, and then you've got- That was also, me. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. So- yeah. What you guys are doing is absolutely tremendous. Uh, I really applaud you for what you're doing. And again, for you listeners out there that want to help or just learn about this, the website is quite tremendous as well. In a way, the Piston Foundation becomes a bit of a mentor or an inspiration for people. And I wanted to ask you about that in your life, if you could share a driving inspiration, somebody that was influential in you. For the many things you've done, no doubt, you've probably had a lot of those in your life. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd say just a couple to keep it, you know, digestible. My first would be my parents. Uh, my parents were both of them tremendously creative, adventurous people, both of them uh, endowed with a sense of bravery that I think is sort of uncommon, especially today. My dad was much older, as uh, I shared with you earlier. He was uh, born in 1926. I myself was born in 1980. So he was wow. a World War II veteran. Not yeah. many people my age uh, had that experience. And my mom was gifted with her intelligence. She graduated high school in rural Illinois at 16 and uh, essentially liberated herself, uh, moved out west of Phoenix to live with an aunt uh, who was kind of a free spirit wow. and just pursued her own path. And, and I, I say that uh, the thing that I experienced with them was that they both had really structured, stable careers at Honeywell by the time I was a boy. That and little company. They, just that little company, Honeywell. <laughs> and they also... My dad in the 1960s, he was a Navy veteran. He'd started a company teaching and taking people scuba diving. So they had a dive tour company in one of the least likely places on earth, right? Phoenix, Arizona. I was going to uh, say, what kind of diving are you doing? Is, <laughs> what comes to mind is that movie where those creatures were living under the sand, you know, in yeah. Dune, I think, or Doom. I don't know. what. It was yeah, some Dune, weird. Yeah, it was like Dune. Weird cult yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. So we would get in our spaceship and have to leave. Uh, okay. And we were fully in Mexico. Uh, oh, okay. The sea of this yeah. is sort of really accessible to us here, uh, two and a half hour drive from our house. And so we were in Mexico or um, Central America every year, but in Mexico every month. And it just taught me that, you know, you can have you can have a, a job and then also pursue this adventurous life of passion. And so I guess that's sort of what I've done is I, I've had jobs, I've had careers, but I've also pursued through my volunteerism, like the, the road rallies that I do. Um, and so I think some of that spirit comes from them. And then I also want to thank... Jerry Leckage was my boss at the Hot Rod Shop at Rodworks. Okay. And he is such a character, and, and so many people in Los Angeles and, and West LA know him. 
uh, or know of him. He was, you know, notorious and interesting and, and had such a just a wild ass life. But one of the things he used to do that would anger me so much when I was you know 20 something is I would ask him for help. I would be under a car trying to pull a transmission. I had it right at the edge of, of coming off the clutch. And, uh, you know, I'd ask him to come out of the office and give me a hand. And he'd tell me no. He'd say, no, do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he'd, just, he'd have a cigar and he'd be reading a car magazine. And he would say, no, figure it out, Spare. You got to do it. You got to do things for yourself in life. And I would get so damn mad at him in the moment. And then it would, it would dawn on me later, of course, that that was actually really important, that it was, it was a uh, teaching moment, just a lesson. It was a teaching moment in self-sufficiency and being able to, to figure things out and to look at the tools at your disposal and do the best uh, you could. And it, it would oftentimes take me an extra three minutes uh, to stop seeing red because I'm 25 years old right. and then to just find the, uh, the proper jack and board combination to get the thing done. But uh, do it yourself was an interesting thing. Do it yourself. So let's talk about challenges. Uh, you mentioned uh, getting transmissions out of the car, not <laughs> Jerry helping you very much, although he right. was in his own way. Uh, let's talk about a big challenge you faced, but more importantly, what did it teach you? Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing you had a few from your varied background. Yeah. Yeah, I could go to a few here, but I think <laughs> the one I'll choose today was one that was um, pretty momentous for me. And it was uh, in 2014, I had a friend of mine from uh, high school who was shock of all shocks, getting engaged and getting married. And he and his wife were going to ultimately have a really small beach ceremony near their home in Ventura, California. And they asked if I would officiate their wedding. Wow. And I had I had zero experience doing that. I had done well with public speaking, I think, in high school, you know, when I was 14. But uh, beyond that, I had no real experience at that point speaking in front of a crowd of people and certainly not speaking on love and all of these topics that <laughs> at that point in my personal life were kind of a challenge for me. And so anyway, I was so supremely honored and I said yes and it ended up being one of the greatest experiences that I've ever had. It was did, now were you ordained to do this or did you have to get ordained to do it? I did the online ordaining. The yeah, online yeah. ordained, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some some church in probably the Central Valley in California that, you know, took my eighteen dollars and uh <laughs> nine of it goes to the state and some something like that. But but anyway it ended up being fantastic and I, I was so I think rewarded by accepting that challenge. And I felt um, so much more comfortable speaking in front of people. And I think it ultimately led to my comfort to become the chairman of the Copper State, to becoming the, the communications uh, lead that I was at U-Haul International. I think it's led to so many opportunities just saying yes to that. You know, it's, it's sort of like a skydiving, jumping out of the plane moment for me. Yeah, well, there's the, the golden nugget in that story is say yes to uncomfortable situations. Every time. Because they can lead you in very, very different places. And definitely that did for you. So yeah, but at the time it can be a bit spooky. So uh, yeah, very, very cool. I want to talk about a special vehicle in your life. I think you've had a few, but maybe if you could pick one out for us today and share a little story about that, right? Absolutely. That's an easy one. Um, <laughs> I still have my first car, Wow, which is actually a truck, but it's a 1955 Ford F100 pickup. And it was not what I wanted when I was 15 years old. But my dad and I had been talking since I was 12 about finding a project 
for us to work on and get running and, and for me to be able to drive when I was 16, ultimately. And what I wanted at the time was a 66 or 67 Chevelle. I was pretty dead set on that. <laughs> okay, uh, sounds cool. In the, in the early 90s, Scott Sullivan had a really fast car that was in every magazine, uh, turquoise, pro street thing, you know, exactly what you'd expect in 93 to be a hot 66 Chevelle. But I like the 67 a little bit better. So anyway, I was on the hunt for a 67 Chevelle, and this is back when you just had to buy the Auto Trader magazine, you know, for... 25 cents at the local convenience store. Not much else existed. So I was looking, and I mean like every week, looking for a Chevelle. But on the street behind us in our neighborhood was this F100 that was sitting derelict, facing, you know, backed into this uh, side driveway, sitting in the dirt, four flat tires, plexiglass side windows, neglected, clearly just a dead widow or a black widow trap, uh, a trap house. (laughs) Sure. And I'm the kid that would rescue cats off the beach in Mexico. You know, all of our uh, animals that we had at our house were basically strays. So I think I've always had this soft spot in my heart for anything that's sort of neglected, uh, rundown houses. You know, one eyed cat. That's a dangerous uh, affliction to have when it comes to old cars, my friend. (laughs) Oh, God. Yes. Well, we won't get into all the others. But anyway, the long story short is that my dad and I saved this F100, got it running by the time I was 16, um, and I drove it all through college. One of my best memories is, of course, driving with my mom and then ultimately ultimately with my dad. He was out of town the, the first time I took it around the block, and I got in a lot of trouble. Because it was not safe, but uh, but my friend Travis and I took it on a really long road trip. We took it out to Austin, Texas, once and back for uh, the big uh, hot rod show there, the Lone Star Roundup. So ultimately, you know, six days on the road in that truck, thousands of miles, holes in radiators, pieces flying off, uh, just the whole thing. But um, but it's been I mean, it's been a tank for me. It's a sentimental connection to my father, sure. and it's. Uh, it's on its second engine, second transmission, second rear end. Uh, you know, I've rewired the thing probably more than I care to admit. <laughs> but uh, it's um, it's my love. It's my little baby. Very cool. So I'm a car psychologist. I'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit here. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? <laughs> yeah, I love that question. We all want to be like the Lamborghini Murcielago, well, but yeah. there's no, there's not. That's not me. I'm sort of big. I'm uh, no, not huge, but I'm like six one, two hundred pounds. I think I like the idea of uh, big American full size cars, uh, also. And so, again, as much as I might want to be, um, you know, a fifty five or fifty six Chrysler three hundred, I think I might be like a Mercury Marauder ultimately. <laughs> okay, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Good, yeah, I like esoteric. It's not supremely esoteric being a Mercury, but it's a big, a sort of comfortable. You know, thinking man's GT, I think. <laughs> Big engines, they can be had with manual transmissions. I think they're um, surprisingly limber. They know how to boogie, you know, but you can dress them up, uh, take them to the country club, dress them down, take them to the track. And, um, you know, they are sort of respected, I think, in uh, any and all of those spheres. I like that idea. Versatility and performance. How's that? So are we, which, now that that's a vehicle that ran the gamut of a bunch of years what Let's year? go. Are we talking early, the first one, 63, 65, somewhere in there? Yeah, I think the 63, 64s are probably the best looking. I, I like that big slab side, uh, you know, architectural sort of form that a lot of uh, Ford and Chrysler cars were exhibiting back then. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, cool, unique car. So, thanks for putting some thought into that question. Absolutely. Sometimes it gets glanced over, but you definitely thought that one through. How about a great book you'd like to share with us today? Oh, I am one who reads like three books at a time. I sort of jump around. Well, yeah, I just jump around depending on (laughs) where my attention is that day. And so um, right now I am reading Fundraising 101 because (laughs) of this role that I have. But it's actually it's a really great book. It's uh, 
it's little snippets told from experts who have uh, various um, experiences in the world of fundraising and establishing charity boards and, uh, you know, efficiency and effectiveness and all these things that are, are really uh, helpful and just good to know, frankly, if you're um, interested in philanthropy, uh, both as a, as a donor and a uh, supporter. Um, and the other one is that I've been rereading Lee Iacocca's autobiography from 1984. A lot of interesting lessons in there about business and personal life and uh, the imbalance of each and sometimes the uh, uh, the lack of parity and equity, um, especially when you're dealing with the government and competitors and middle management, upper management, big egos, uh, him dealing with the Ford family, you know, his dealing with senators as uh, someone who was having to testify I mean, just really, uh, the man led a really interesting life, and uh, I think he sometimes gets sort of an unfair shake, but um, he was uh, a really interesting and, and well-spoken guy. Tough, tough job, uh, what he had to do, you know, I mean, so and many men- ways, yeah, you think going into an automotive company and being able to be in charge and do whatever you want, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. You could no. do anything you wanted to do and tried, so, yeah. Yeah, great. he's the guy who said yes to the challenge, Um and I think he ultimately wins, but uh, it's it's a hell of a story. Hard fought, for sure. So let's go on the ultimate drive. I'm going to enable you to be in any car, go anywhere, and with anybody, even somebody from the past who's no longer with us. So uh, what's the ultimate drive look like for you, Spare? <laughs> this is another one I thought long and hard about because um, I'm terrible with these. Like, who would you like to meet and have dinner with? That sort of question. Sure. Because it's like there's a million people. So I thought about, you know, David Bowie. Uh, I love the music of David Bowie. And his creative sort of artistic spirit. I I love anybody who's got a musical mind. Um, I think it's just fascinating. So I thought, you know, David Bowie in an E-type. Ooh, yeah. English countryside, sort of moody, but maybe, you know, in and around, um, oh, like an airbase or something where he might be sort of, you know, inspired by like his uh, sort of space odyssey phase uh, would be fun. And then, then that had me thinking this morning that I love world-changing sort of genius. And I think that, you know, a a true Renaissance icon, you know, like Michelangelo or Da Vinci, it would be great to throw those guys in a car and (laughs) go drive around Cape Canaveral. In what car then? Let's go Italian. Let's go Murcielago. Let's let's imagine that we can all fit into uh, that Murcielago that I tried to to bring into the story earlier. But (laughs) I think driving them around um, a facility where man is able to visit outer space and talking about the journey of imagination and taking such a an ethereal impossible idea from those days and bringing that to reality and then talking about perhaps where we'll go from there i think it uh, that was where I sort of ended up landing, I guess, this morning. And I still you like would uh, blow their minds. <laughs> yes, and I would. I would expect the same back. That was. Uh, that would be all I would yeah. ask back. Well, good. Yeah, that would be an adventure. Very creative answer to that question. Well, you've taken us on a wonderful journey today, Sperry, and I really appreciate you taking some time to share your very interesting life. It's a great thing about what I do. I get to learn some very interesting things about very interesting people, inspiring people, uh, and focus on the Piston Foundation, which is fantastic. You listeners can find them at pistonfoundation.org. I encourage you to reach out, check out. You can talk to Sperry or anybody there, past guests I've had here. I've met Robert. He's not been on the show, but of course, uh, and your boss there. Check this out. Uh, They're doing some great things there, and I think you need to learn more about it. How would you leave us today with some words of inspiration or wisdom, Sperry? 
I think our theme has been just saying yes to the challenge, you know, finding those, uh, you know, they're not always doors of opportunity. They're sometimes a gate. Sometimes it's a wall. Yep. <laughs> sometimes it is a moat and uh, getting through it. It's uh, that's life in a nutshell. It is rarely easy and oftentimes fraught with challenge. But I think the rewards are are there if you can uh, just get through it. And uh, and I would also encourage people to help one another. Um, I think that that's a key, not only for, you know, my journey, for all of our journeys. And uh, that can mean any myriad of things, whether we're talking about mental health, whether we're talking about uh, uh, someone just getting a project done and back on the road, uh, which might be one and the same, frankly. Those are the things that drive me <laughs> crazy. But uh, but it's a it's a it's a real topic amongst um, so many of us that uh, that I, I care about is um, helping one another and how we can all do more of that. So uh, say yes and uh, and help each other. Uh, you know, spectacular way to enter into the new year as we all think about this new year and what we're going to get to do this year. And uh, your words of inspiration definitely fit into a nice New Year's resolution, if you will. Uh, I encourage all you listeners to take Sperry's advice. Say yes to a challenge and help one another. That would help a lot of things in this world. Uh, Judy Stropas, I want to thank her for introducing me to Sperry. Judy has brought some tremendous guests. So, Judy, thank you so much for all the inspiring automotive enthusiasts you've shared with me here on Cars. Yeah, Judy is, uh, how do you describe Judy? Stellar. <laughs> She's fantastic. Truly. Yeah. Sperry, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing a very fascinating life with us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. I should be doing some sound off music here with Mick Jagger, but there's licensing rights and he'll sue me. So <laughs> I only want him to wish me a happy birthday. So thanks, Barry. This was great. Happy birthday, Mark. Yeah, I You're appreciate very welcome. That. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Cars yeah has teamed up with TechForce Foundation, one of our charities of choice, to help young people who love cars, problem solving, and working with their hands pursue careers as professional technicians. From auto, collision, and restoration techs to motorcycle boats, race cars, and aviation, TechForce covers the gamut of technician opportunities. Technical education and the skills trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn how you can help to power the technical workforce at techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!